0: Welcome back, listeners, to The Idea of Communism. Part two, PillPot84. Do we have any follow-ups before we get started on the new article? Any follow-ups from uh, last week's discussion?
1: Well, I did notice that a lot of Bedouins seemed seemed upset about uh, stuff that was said on there, but I just didn't really pay that much attention. But if you guys were paying... I think, Matt, I saw you engaging with some of that.
2: Yeah, I had a long uh,
0: discussion with... um... One about you stands online. He was actually a very interesting guy, so we agreed on some points and disagreed on others. but the kind of point that we came down on is that what's the most important takeaway from his theory politically uh, is his reformulation of a philosophy of history according to his new conception of materialist ontology, uh, particularly the kind of anti-teleological dimensions to the philosophy of history that he puts forward, which is the main point of the article right. that we read today. so, well there's a ma- there's mm-hmm. a reason they put Bad first, probably because he is very very narrowly speaking of the idea of communism and I know you kind of dismissed that and saying we don't need to only have ideas, but if you're doing philosophy and makes wait, I sense. Thought you
1: were, Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought you were the one who I thought you were the one who hated ideas yeah, that's
0: confusing I mean if anything I continuously say that these things are important what do you mean I hate ideas? You say ideas or you say they important. don't matter you don't hate you don't, don't mattering. Material, ideas for themselves, that's that's ideas true. for their own sake. I'm, a, a, okay, I'm able fair. to that's shift fair. my view to be, oh, we're talking about an idea. So in this discussion, what matters is the idea.
1: Got it. Got it.
0: Of course, you know, the mattering of language is in its use, which is contextually defined. So on a podcast episode that is about an idea... then the idea is all that matters. But a podcast about an idea is not to be confused with the context of the world in which that idea should certainly not be understood as what matters. So don't, don't confuse our fucking nerd hobby with the actual way the world functions. That's it.
2: Well, if the idea of communism is something like the idea of the good or what is good for humanity as a whole, then it's a worthy idea of pursuing. But well, we're just exploring ideas here, aren't we? I mean, we don't even need to bring yeah, exactly. up any final words because Badieu comes up again in what we're reading Susan Buck Morse's entry. She brings up Badieu, and is somewhat critical of his position and the way he, especially the way he mobilizes what we mentioned last week, um, St. Paul. You know the that story of Saint Paul. He he's kind of this is the one where he's the lawyer Saul, right? And he falls off the horse and has that sort of mm-hmm. awakening moment. That's that's a big sort of moment that uh, Marx also mentions in the in the Eighteenth Brumaire. And that's
0: where the title yep. the Eighteenth Brumaire is where the title of this article comes from. You've probably heard it before, uh, listeners. It's first as tragedy, then as farce, which is. Uh, He's taking a shot at Hegel, actually, because Hegel... I I don't actually know where Hegel says this, but Marx says Hegel thinks that history always returns, but what he forgets to say is that Mm -hmm. the first time it's a tragedy and the second time it's a farce, and then he gives a few examples.
1: Right. Yeah, I think, and also Zizek wrote a book with that title, too.
0: Pithy Zizek.
1: Indeed. Indeed.
0: So the idea of communism just is, is communism a good idea? And the mattering part of it, Victor, is it doesn't mean we can do it. It doesn't mean that we can wake up in the morning and do communism. It just means, is right. it an answer to a question, should the world be like this instead of that? Would it be good, even capital G, would it be good if the world were this way instead of that way? That's the, the philosophical yeah, question.
1: Yeah, to be fair, the, the I think the, the Pillsian view of ideas is really more something like ideas have no or very limited, like, causal influence in the material world. Uh, maybe you'll disagree with that, but that's kind of how I take it.
0: I think I think as being reactionary to people who think ideas only matter and having the right take is the only thing that matters. That's where ideas don't matter right, or, came or, from originally.
2: I mean, right, don't, don't right. think of an idea as a light bulb going off in somebody's brain, like a kind of Thomas Edison version of what an idea is. <laughs> We're talking about... Yeah, yeah, collectivity here, not individual ideas in or the good, brains. the good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean the good has to be something that we collectively construct too. It's not an idea that any one of us sort of has and tries to convince everyone else is correct because it's supposed to be the yeah, exactly. good for all.
0: And it's not a historical, but it's also not reducible to history. There's somewhere, that's why Badu has these three different aspects to what an idea is. Part of it's historical, but part of it is ahistorical. So there are a bunch of targets in this article by Susan Buck Morse, who I've never read before. Um, But Marx is a target. He gets shot at. uh, Badu, Zizek, Agamben. And the main question posed is, who owns the times? Who owns Mm -hmm. the time today? So this is how she starts off a little bit philosophically. What is, what is history and who owns it? And particularly that the idea of communism remains today Eurocentric. Um, and a way to make the times more universal, which is kind of the point of, of Marxism, would be to pay attention to particularities. And specifically for her, the radical, the radical origin of religion, interestingly. And the two examples she brings mm-hmm. up are Islam and she brings up but does not discuss uh, liberation theology in latin america which would be catholic but her focus is we can have a more universal idea of communism by incorporating uh the idea of these two islamic thinkers that she brings up
2: or at least we need we need this universal moment in our theorizing in our like theory needs to be practical it needs to have a It needs to have a kind of outlet to practice in one thing. And another thing is that the moment of practicing theory needs to have a universal moment. So we can't have theories that just reduce everything to particularities or relativizes or, you know, like what Walter Benjamin describes as historicism, having no theory, just being sort of additive, this and then this and then this. We need a kind of it's this difficult idea where we need this position of universal subjectivity so we can have this moment of universality but there's a this is part of what the argument against say Badiou that she brings up here is is how to go about this in the sort of right way a way that'll be progressive a way that won't like you were saying you know claim ownership of time for any specific group because in a way when you're coming forward with your issues as a class or a group they need to also be for the universal good they need to be they mm-hmm. need to go beyond your self-interests but they need to align with your self-interests as well so there's this sort of balancing of these kind of paradoxical moments in this universal struggle that needs to we need to get a grasp of it in order to clarify the idea of communism in a certain way
0: and a, a short, pithy way to say this would be, how do we get Muslim women into the idea of communism instead of, you know, European white men yep. being the owners of the times. That's like a, the the quick way to say it. Eric, I was thinking while I was reading this that you would really like this article because it's half about pragmatics and half about Walter Benjamin, your two favorite things. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I've I've read Susan Buck Morris a long time ago when I was very, very getting very interested in Walter Benjamin and yeah so I was uh I was happy to be able to discuss her work again because Benjamin you know you were saying she takes shots at various people it's I I see it almost as more like a dialectic right she uses kind of Marx's modification of Hegel and then there's a kind of Benjaminian modification of Marx in the struggle for the oppressed past but we'll get to that uh idea a little bit later once we've laid out.
0: Yeah, want me to do that real quick? So um, she actually criticizes Marx. We got the criticism of Marx and Marxism, right? So Marx, because he said, fuck history, we have to wake up from the nightmare of history, look forward. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Marxism, because in the context of the Cold War, Marxism is either interpreted by... Americans or by Russians and that's it that's the bipolar world but strangely this I found puzzling she's absolutely silent at least in this talk on China Vietnam Latin America so that was kind of interesting that she says it's it's owned by the the European the Eurocentric sphere but then ignores all those examples Mm. um if you have any thoughts on that but anyway back to Hegel This is this really frustrating word for Anglophones, which is uh, Aufhebung, which means Mm. like 20 different things. Um, And Aufheben, aufheben, the verb, she wants to... Oh, sorry, I should explain this a little bit. If you know the word uh, sublation is usually the way it's translated into English in the Hegelian dialectic. Sometimes it's uh, negation, sometimes it's putting up, sometimes it's... I'm not an expert on this, but... Um, I've tried to I've tried to get a concept of it and I've failed because I'm an Anglophone. So anyway, Aufheben, which means everything, also for her means this sort of um, memento or preserving the past. So she wants to give a new spin to preserving the past in Aufheben by incorporating uh, religion, really, and she criticizes Badiou's use of. Religion, because she says he does it cynically by bringing up Saint Paul.
1: Well, wait, wait a second. What is what is alpha bang usually like? What's the typical explanation, though? I feel like we should just at least get that rather than just saying it, it means everything.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Sorry. So for, it's the it's the the process by which a terms overcome. Usually, like I said, it's sublation in English. But you get to the sublation by the negation. So it's that process of one term becoming the next term. Okay, yeah.
2: Well, we can say it, we can say it has three meanings, right? It has a triad of meanings in the Hegelian dialectic. One of them is negation to cancel out. One of them is, he or she says supersession, but I was like overcoming. So it's a canceling mm-hmm. out, one meaning, overcoming a second meaning. and third meaning is preserving. Right. So yeah. when we translate it as synthesis, we get into problems of reconciling oppositions, which is, you know, kind of a simplistic way of understanding it. it has to have yeah. these three sorts yeah. of meanings, cancel, overcome and preserve. So and there's a sort of, you know, emphasis on one or other of those. And she highlights Benjamin's emphasis on the third meaning, the idea of preserving or Benjamin talks about rescuing the past, right? Uh, yeah, and so you can see there, the problem
0: for her is that Marx remembers the overcoming part but forgets about the preserving part.
2: Yeah, or that Benjamin modifies Marx's sort of gesture towards Alfhaben in the Arcades Project and in the Theses on History. It's about this, He like, he puts the central emphasis on the on the rescuing part.